From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. So, J.R., it appears former Republican Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Clayfish is going to formally announce her bid for governor this week. She sent a notice to supporters that she'll make a special announcement on Thursday in Waukesha County. Clayfish served under former Republican Governor Scott Walker and has been signaling for a while that she'll challenge Democratic Governor Tony Evers next year. And she recently filed paperwork with the state to make a formal bid. So with Evers and now likely Clayfish formally throwing their hats into the ring, how do you see this race taking shape? Well, first we've got to see is who else is going to run as a Republican for governor. Uh, the impression I've gotten from talking to people is that Clayfish is going to start with, a, with kind of a, a decent foundation because she's done more legwork than anybody else looking at running. Remember, she created a pack last year to raise money and give donations to Republican candidates. She created this 1848 project, which is like a conservative think tank uh, to promote conservative ideas. She's been out out and about and doing events constantly over the last year and a half. And the question is going to be really with this race, whoever's facing Evers is what's it look like nationally with the environment? Uh, President Biden had a pretty rough August. Uh, Things with Afghanistan did not go well. COVID is spiking. The latest job numbers weren't great. Now, for Republicans, you can't just show up and put your name on the ballot and expect because Biden's not doing great that you're going to win. They have their own struggles, right? You have this kind of tension right now in the Republican Party of a segment of the base, which is convinced that the election was quote-unquote stolen from Donald Trump and that Republicans aren't doing enough and they won't be happy until you see either criminal charges or the result overturned neither which is likely going to happen. Uh, and so they're, you know, are they going to show up next fall? Are they going to be turned out for Republicans unless they get what they want? The other side of the coin is, you know, the suburban voters who had been the backbone of the Republican Party for years, especially midterm elections, they were turned off by Donald Trump. Do they come back to the fold next fall? We'll see. Uh, but that's a lot of unknowns. You know, and then for Democrats, as tough as August was for Biden, what issue might invigorate them come next year. Um, this recent development with the Supreme Court and this Texas abortion law, that's firing up some Democrats. It could also be a difficult issue for Republicans because it's essentially a ban after six weeks of pregnancy. That's not where the public is for the most part, according to polling. Is it going to turn off moderate voters? All things like that. And we don't know what's going to happen now and next fall that could really impact that environment that's going to really have a, a, be a factor in the governor's race. And now, who else among Republicans is thinking of running for governor, and what might a GOP primary look like? A uh, number of people who are at least kicking the tires. Uh, some new names. Well, one new name, uh, State Representative John Mako, who's up from in the Green Bay area. He told me last week that he is looking at a run, that he filed papers to run to create a uh, campaign committee. He's pledging supporters that he will match up to $250,000 in donations. Uh, to help get that effort off the ground. So that's something to watch. Uh, Bill McCaution, longtime lobbyist, uh, former Tommy Thompson aide, he's been moving toward a bid. We'll see if that comes to fruition. Then you have an interesting case with Kevin Nicholson, who was a U.S. Senate candidate, former Marine, 
Um, he's kind of got one foot in the governor's race and one in the Senate race. Ron Johnson has not said what he's going to do yet. Um, the perception among insiders is that Nicholson wants to run for U.S. Senate. That's where his heart is. But if Johnson's receiving re-election, that avenue is cut off. Nicholson's been traveling the state with his group called No Better Friend. Uh, so he's been pretty open that if, you know, he's looking at both, both offices. In another development, election clerks in Milwaukee and Brown counties indicated late last week that they will not turn over ballots and voting machines to an assembly committee that's supposed to meet today. Republican State Representative Janelle Branchen, who chairs the Assembly Elections Committee, recently issued subpoenas to Milwaukee County Clerk George Christensen and Brown County Clerk Patrick Moynihan, requesting the materials as part of what she calls a top-to-bottom audit of the 2020 presidential election in Wisconsin. What do you think will happen if the two clerks don't comply with the subpoenas? Well, not much because Robin Voss is not going to sign those subpoenas. So without Robin Voss's signature and the signature of uh, the chief clerk, there isn't much that Janelle Branch can do as far as I know. Um, and she's kind of acknowledged that, you know, she can issue subpoenas, but Robin has to, Robin Voss has to validate them. What's really going to be the focus is this, pri- this, this investigation, this review that former chief or former Supreme Court Justice Michael Gabelin is doing at the behest of Robin Voss. I uh, signed a contract with uh, Gabelin last week, or sorry, released the contract last week. It had been signed earlier in August that has a budget of $676,000 uh, for this review of that three hundred twenty-five grand is for a data analysis. We'll see what that's going to look like. But the clear path for Robin Voss right now is to put his effort and his focus onto what Gablin is doing, um, and that's where things are going to happen. We'll see what Gablin wants to do. Voss has said he'll let Gablin define the scope of that investigation, hire the investigators, hire others who will work with him, and then report back to him later this fall on on what he finds about 2020. And finally, former Republican House Speaker Paul Ryan and Wisconsin's Republican U.S. Senator Ron Johnson both recently indicated that they do not think the 2020 election was rigged or stolen. Johnson even made his comments under unusual circumstances as they were secretly taped at a GOP event in Wauwatosa by a woman posing as a conservative voter. Johnson said the only reason Trump lost Wisconsin is because 51,000 Republican voters didn't vote for him. Do you think these comments will dissuade any fellow Republicans from believing there were irregularities here? Uh, not from what I've picked up from talking to GOP lawmakers, state lawmakers, because what they've told me is when they're doing uh, events back in their home districts, there is a very vocal, possibly small segment of the base that is convinced that uh, the election was stolen. And if you are not on their side in that assessment, you are part of the problem. What I don't know is how big of a factor those voters are. I don't know how big that movement is. But I can tell from talking to some Republicans that they are visibly nervous about what this might mean for 2022 because you could see uh, primaries, for example, of Republican incumbent lawmakers. You could see open seats where the race becomes a referendum on the 2020 election and whether you believe it was quote unquote stolen. There are all kinds of like unknowns about how this is going to go. One of the challenges for Republicans is how do you placate those Trump voters? who are convinced something's amiss, uh, when you're not able to pass any overhauls election policies because Governor Evers is going to veto them, saying it 
basically about making it harder to vote. And if you don't fully buy into what they're saying, do they get turned off? Do they not turn out next fall? I don't know. And if you cater to those voters, people have told me, do you risk losing those suburban voters who, again, have been a major part of GOP efforts in the past? If you're talking about 2020 still and 2022, are those voters going to want to come back to the Republican Party? I, it's an open question and nobody's really sure what's going to happen, but it could have a huge influence on how the election turns out because we are a purple state. And while it, like I said, I don't know how big these pools of voters are, but if it's one or two or three percent of their overall pool, when you're a 50-50 state, one or two or three points could be a big difference. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how Republicans navigate that dynamic between now and next fall. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.